Hello, it's Farius here and welcome to Beneath the Music. This is a podcast I've wanted to do for a long time. I had this idea back in 2020. It was locked down. I had no gigs and uh, I just finished writing an album and I really missed uh, seeing people and talking to people. I'm quite a social being um, and I've always loved getting to know people and their stories. So I had this idea for this podcast three years ago and for one reason or another it never kind of got off the ground. Uh, I blame being too busy uh, doing A&R and writing music and trying to juggle life (laughs) in general. Um, But here it is, it's finally here with the help of Enhance, thank you guys. Um, And essentially the idea behind this spoken word podcast is to get to know some of the the reality of the artists behind the music that we love. and I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper. I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of dance music before I'm a producer, really. And I've, I've just been getting so bored with reading the same interviews and listening to the same interviews with artists. How did you make this record? And what synth did you use for that? And, uh, you know, what inspires you to make this record? I just wanted to scratch a little bit deeper and go literally beneath the surface or beneath the music um, and find out a little bit more about the artists um, who are making great records, who've got great stories to tell and perhaps don't get the chance to tell them that often. So uh, ultimately I'm just, I'm here to, to find out the story, to, to go back into people's lives and talk about them and how it shaped their careers and, and, and where they are. And um, yeah, I'm really, really happy that we're doing this. So welcome to uh, Beneath the Music. Uh, our first guest of the series is Estiva. Enjoy. Welcome to uh, Beneath the Music uh, with Farius. Uh, and my guest today is Stephen Bond, aka Estiva. Um, he started releasing music in 2007. Uh, culminating in his first artist album in 2011 on Enhanced Music. Uh, Within the space of a few years in 2013, he found himself on tour with heavyweight DJs such as Tritonal and then Armin Van Buren and others. Uh, He's gone on to release a decade's worth of music since then and has performed uh, from Chicago to Shanghai, from Munich to Mumbai and pretty much everywhere in between. He once said in an interview, over the years I've come to realise that change is often good. In creative processes like writing music, it's essential to keep moving and to let go. Stephen, welcome to Beneath the Music. And it's that feeling of how you keep moving that I want to explore today. Uh, How are you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Uh, That was a nice little intro there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, great to be here, man. So, Let's take it all the way back. Um, you were born in a in a small town in the Netherlands in eighty seven. Exactly. Called yeah. Reyvek. Yeah. Big family, small family. I have two elder brothers, and um, yeah, it's 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 a small village indeed. And within that small village, I lived quite far from uh, my actual friends who all like lived in a in a spot in that village, and I lived like maybe twenty minutes on a bike. So uh, a little bit secluded, but that also meant I was surrounded by nature and lakes. So I had a really green upbringing. And uh, what did your parents do? Um, consultant. My father was a consultant and my mother was a teacher on uh, uh, 
what's it called? Elementary school? Yeah, like a primary school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what was what was life like for a young Stephen growing up in a small town? Pretty careless. Um, yeah, I told the freedom uh, in the world, basically. Uh, I could do whatever I wanted. And like I said, it was a, a green environment. So I always uh, surrounded myself with... Uh, yeah, lots of uh, outdoor activities like fishing, being on boats. Um, yeah, playing outside was a really big part of uh, my upbringing, and that was perfect for where I grew up. So definitely more of a an outdoor kid rather yeah. than uh, like a city boy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I do feel now I live in Amsterdam. That's that part of me that uh, that's longing for. A green nature vibe around me is, is sometimes uh, a thing that I'm struggling with. Yeah. So, to, so moving forward, 2006, you were at high school. Yeah. And you were studying, you were making music at school or in your spare time? Um, yeah, it, it kind of grew naturally. I think I was maybe even around 10, 11, 12, that was my first uh, uh, introduction to uh, writing music. Before that, I was just uh, basically um, my older brother. He was always playing music, and it was always electronic dance music. What uh, Playing as in like just listening to it? Or listening mean, to or it, playing yeah. as in composing? No, listening to it. Yeah, listening to yeah. And uh, What sort of tracks was he listening to? Um... I remember him listening to Happy Hardcore a lot, oh, which wow. triggered me because, I mean, Happy Hardcore for a small kid, that's, that's, <laughs> that's all you want to hear, right? Yeah. Jumping up and down and, and pretty uh, uh, accessible chords and, uh, yeah, happy stuff. And later on, he went to a little bit uh, more darker, hardcore stuff. Um, and I think that's where I turned a little bit to maybe hard style or like the faster Eurodance. And then that resulted in me listening to Tiesto a lot. Okay. Um, in Search of Sunrise series was a massive thing uh, when I was growing up. Um, yeah, so around that time I started to listen to Tiesto. I got in contact with or... or I, a software program called Magic's Music Maker somehow appeared on my PC. <laughs> and uh, I started trying to, yeah, get that piece of software, uh, uh, getting to know that piece of software. Um, uh, and then my brother, he thought it was fun as well, but he, he said, hey, he was a little bit older, so he, he knew a lot more about software. And he said, hey, um, maybe you should try... Uh, uh, FL Studio, which was called Fruity Loops back then. And that was a, a lot more uh, serious piece of software in in terms of you could um, be a lot more creative and you could actually write melodies yourself. So whatever was in my head, I could then trans start to translate to to real music. Basically, that, that was the start of me actually writing music. And with with no with no uh, musical, were you studying music at school or were you just playing around with it at home? I had piano lessons, but 
that was at a really young age. So okay. maybe that triggered something. But uh, when I started with with music, then I I couldn't really read notes, and now not so. Okay. I mean, it sounds really at odds, like this beautiful, lovely nature environment, fishing and going out and on your bike. It sounds kind of at odds that you would be sat at a computer, like, you know, making records, that you know. Yeah, I think... It's not something, not, they're not two things that necessarily go hand in hand. No, but at, this, at the same time, uh, it does, because it meant I was uh, quite far away from my friends. So after yeah. school time, usually all my friends uh, stayed out on the... Um, the area to play play football or whatever, play games outside. But for me, I had to go from school 20 minutes uh, back back home. Mm. And when when I was younger, uh, yeah, I wasn't um, allowed to do that because it was far away or someone had to pick me up and then bring me home. So sometimes I was playing with them, but not all the times, not as much uh, as my friends did. So that meant um, I was a little bit more alone Mm-hmm. So I think a computer and playing games on a computer was uh, naturally something I did just to entertain myself. Yeah. So 2006, you're at high school, you're making tunes on, on your computer with your brother and stuff. And at some point you ha- you sent your first, you must have known about record labels. And I guess back then everything was just kind of, the digital revolution was happening. There were things like Napster and LimeWire yeah. and all that stuff. So, when you sent your f- you sent your first single or your first yeah your first record to Enhanced, I think. Yeah, I remember. Um, I was um, so the internet was already there, and I think I was I was using discussion boards like for- forums, a discussion board specifically for writing music. Um, it was a Dutch board as well, so it was really easy to connect with people for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do remember uh, people like uh, Leon Bolier and Ilke Klein were on that uh, discussion oh, really? board as well, and they were just starting out, as, just yeah. like me. Uh, but they were a little bit further in the process, so whenever they started sharing their music on those boards, unreleased stuff, I was like, wow, mm. amazing. So that kind of pushed me to, to, to be there as well. Um, so I was sharing my music on those uh, places and then you got feedback from like-minded people and then I realized, okay, people starting to like my music and then uh, people gave you advice in sending your tracks to labels as well. And I think around that time I got in contact with uh, Will Holland who was, I think, just about to start... Um, a record label and you were he, what you were i mean just to paint the picture in my head you were what 17 18 19 or younger yeah something like that yeah, yeah exactly so just graduating from high school thinking about university yeah 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 and um obviously um when university was a was a yeah i had to think about university i was also really busy with music what did your what did your parents say you like I really want to do the music thing, but by this point, yeah, they like... were they were actually uh, quite quite easy. They said, "Okay, you can do what you want to do. We think it's important to to get your diploma." So yeah, I went to uh, to uni uh, and did that um, while combining music and while like uh, building that career. And sometimes that went well, and sometimes not so much. So you went to Rotterdam University. 
yeah. studied economics. Mm-hmm. How did you balance the, the passion of, of music with, with that studying at the same time? Um, I, studying was, uh, is something that comes quite natural to me, so I don't really have to study hard to, to get good grades. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, so it was always just <laughs> doing last-minute studies and then get the, the minimal uh, grade you needed to, to, to pass that class. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was loving that. So I was just basically doing very little for just the right thing. And uh, that made me uh, able to, to write music as well and, and also play shows. So... You picked up DJing just on the side, or did you did you make a conscious effort to say I need to learn to DJ as well? Oh, that's actually a good story because um, yeah, I, I had a few records out and they got picked up by uh, by Armin van Buren and other bigger DJs. So my name got out in the scene, and then naturally people come to you, like club owners or promoters, um, and they were they're asking me if I could play in their clubs or at their festivals. And, and, always, and that was just from having one or two songs, or yeah. one, one enhanced and yep. Armada, not nothing exclusive at this point. No one, no one saying we want to sign you for for life. No, no, no. It's just uh, single, single, singles. Yeah, very much in the in the beginning. And had you discovered partying and that whole scene whilst you like not as a DJ, but just were you going out and seeing no, other DJs? No, not at all. No, still not. And then I think it was um, for. Uh, event organization called Luminosity and it was a show in Utrecht in the Netherlands and they were asking me to play and that was like months in, in, in before the show actually happened so I said yes I will do it let's go and uh, yeah I showed up in Utrecht and played the set and it was actually fine I was uh, I think everyone was dancing and, and happy with my set. The only thing I was uh, not so pleased about that I was like super, super nervous. Yeah. Never been so nervous in my life. Um, what, were yeah, you ne- what, what were you nervous about? Um, failing, I guess, because everything was new to me and I knew how to DJ. But there were a lot of knobs on those mixers <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I didn't know what they did. I think someone uh, at the very start also helped me out. Oh, actually, that was funny because I played after Ruben Durande. No way. And he was probably just starting. Yeah, he was a little bit further than, than, than I was in my career. But I was playing after him and I started playing. And then he, uh, I think he twisted the, the volume knob on, on one of the, the channels to, to give it a little bit more um, more volume because I didn't know what that volume not was doing apparently <laughs> but uh yeah nerve-wracking yeah so you played luminosity that was your first gig and at the time you were releasing sort of like a series of singles basically doing stuff with enhanced doing stuff with armada and doing yeah mainly enhanced though yeah. i don't think uh armada was uh one of my labels back then i just did enhanced and then 2011 um you did your first album Yes, uh, that was, I wouldn't say that's officially an album though, it's, it's more of a compilation of stuff I already did, and maybe three or two new tracks, okay. so back then it was 
Yeah, more of a compilation of so what, I, guess I, what I did. Someone like Will was like, let's let's do, let's just put this all together in one place and yeah, see yeah. What it does. Gather your best tracks that you that you've done and present it as. I mean, you could like looking back on it, it, it was an album, but it didn't really feel like yeah I had to work on an album. It was basically already there. Cool. Uh, and with that, um, you went off and started playing in North America. After that, around 2013, I guess you were playing with Chad and Dave, Tritonal? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Juventa? Yeah. Um, and Will? Will, Will also DJ. played, yeah. yeah. Daniel Candy, uh, Beat Service, those were kind of names that, that I saw often on... Uh, and you would have been, what, sort of early 20s at this point? Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like, <clears throat> did you did you feel you're, your, you know, playing Luminosity... You're DJing with some of these huge names like Tritonal. You're releasing music regularly on on you know well-established uh, labels. Did you feel like this is what the the teenager like Stephen wanted? Like, did you feel like I've made it? Like this, I'm living living the dream. No, never, never. It was always uh, everything. Uh comes step by step so you create new realities all the time and uh, I don't really have uh, I've never had any big dreams or big goals within music I was just like I, I was just uh, I loved writing music and I loved that I could DJ with my music as well but I never thought okay I want to be the best DJ or the, the, the number one DJ but there was or never a moment when you're you're sat and you're maybe you're playing to a couple of thousand people and you think and you're in the middle of America and you're in your early twenties. It must have been like, wow, I'm being I'm being paid to play my music in front of thousands of people on the other side of the world. He went to Australia as well, and mm -hmm. there must have been a moment somewhere in you where you just sit back and you go, I've done it. I don't I don't it. think so. No, no, no. <laughs> Well, maybe during uh, uh, no, no, not really. So, with, so in that in that case, were you sort of like, what's next? What's next? Where do I go next? What's happening next? Or was it just well, a very state, a calm state of this is just what I'm doing right now? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly <laughs> what it was and is still. I do feel like, um, yeah, you, you're just constantly creating new realities. So, um, a while back. Or like to start, I thought, okay, I'm doing shows now. That's that's great, and I see other people or colleague DJ friends are playing uh, on uh, Asalt. Uh, that would be that would be great as well. So in that new reality, there were little goals or little dreams, um, but yeah, there's not a, a real. Uh, realization of wow what I'm doing is so cool or um, I mean no I'm just happy that I can write music and and do these shows but it is cool I guess but when you're in the middle of it when you're doing it um, you maybe also take it take it for granted mm. or yeah that's that's just your reality that's just what you do and is, is there any part of you now looking back and you think I wish I'd experience a bit more of this, or I wish I'd I wish I'd done that. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I think um, um, when you're doing a lot of shows, 
everything is a uh, you do things in a a rush or things go by real quick and you just do the show also because it's yeah you get tired and you 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 fly from place to place but um sometimes you play for really big crowds or like you play tomorrowland but yeah after an hour the set is over and then you hardly even realize that you played there mm. and it's a big thing to a lot of people in the world that you're a DJ and you're playing at a certain place. But it, yeah, like I said, it doesn't really necessarily feel that way for me, but it would be nice to sometimes during your DJ set, um, take it all in and really realize where, where you are and, and look at the people around you and that, that they, they will, that they're enjoying your music and that they maybe even bought tickets for you. Um, it's it's just um, it feels always a bit surreal. Mm. So yeah, I wish I could uh, find a way to to re- realize more that what I'm doing is is super nice and but I I do enjoy it yeah. but I yeah. just don't feel like wow. I mean, you strike me as a very you always have struck me as a very grounded yeah person like really grounded. Um, what do you think it is? Is it something in you? Is it something else in your life that keeps you from getting caught up in that? And I'm thinking about you as a 22, three, four year old touring the world with the guys, you know, Tritonal and those guys. What is it that stops you from getting caught up in that DJ? Because also at the time, that at that time, there was this huge EDM explosion in America. Mm. And you saw, you know, David Guetta and Hardwell and Nicky Romero, all these guys just private jets you know all of it what was it that stopped you from getting caught up in that whole dj world because you were you were there you know you were you were you were doing it yeah um i think it's the way i uh experience all of this i i love writing music so i'm happiest when i'm in my studio and writing music and even if the track doesn't get a release or even actually i don't really mind if if my music gets out to the public of course, it's important for me because it's a career for me, but um, I get the most joy out of being in the studio and creating something that's the most fun for me. It's not the part where you release a song or it's not the part where you play that song during a set on a big stage or, or, or a great club. It's just the writing, the music, in my studio, in my space, it's in in my world. That's the most fun for me. That's the most important. But what about when you were early twenties? You must have had that feeling of like never, no, not achieve. It's, it's still the very well because you maybe, want to achieve success and you want to you want to have that validation. Maybe, yeah, like you said during the more the the EDM boom, I was thinking uh, a little bit more. I was, uh, I think, I forgot about this time but back then i was realizing okay i write music now um and then i uh, started working with uh, vocalists a lot more and like you said uh, like um, hartwell and david Guetta always used a lot of vocals as well people were singing along with those songs on big festivals and i was playing the same festivals maybe not not like the headliner slots but i was there as well and i thought okay um, I probably should make write music like that 
mm. that people that a lot of people can appeal to and sing along with. So I got caught up in that a little bit, and then after a while, I yeah was losing interest in it because it wasn't really what I I didn't get that joy in the studio anymore. Mm. So then then it stops for me, I guess, because even if those tracks are doing well on festivals or on the radio, if I didn't get that um, euphoria in the studio, then it doesn't mean anything for me. So I think back then, uh, yeah, I was struggling a bit, and then there was even a moment that I uh, I stopped caring and didn't write any music for half year or a year. What did you do? What did you do in that, in that half year? Yeah. I don't even know. Um, trying to figure it out, I guess. Um, Did you ever have a point where you thought, "No, like I just this isn't working," or like I, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this this sound? Like, yeah, yeah, just gonna... yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I don't know what I did, but I just left uh, producing for what it was for a bit, and then um, out of nowhere, I got this urge again to to be in the studio, and I started to just write whatever came up in my mind, not thinking, okay, this is going to be released on a, a record label and people are going <clears> to <throat> need to like it, so I need to write this. Mm-hmm. No, I just wrote whatever came up in my mind and then uh, I got this bunch of tracks and I thought, okay, these I loved writing these and these are kind of good. And then I started sending them out to, to labels and I think um, that was during 2016, 17, 18... Yeah, so I was I was gonna say so in, th- in 2016 you basically finished your relationship with Enhanced at that at that point yeah yeah and and you moved to Armada yeah was what was the what was the feeling behind that move I think Enhanced wasn't the place anymore for me to uh, uh, the records I I wrote that really came more out of my um, my soul yeah something like that. They, I thought they didn't fit with Enhanced, and I started sending them out to uh, to DJs, and Armin was picking up a, a lot of them, uh, and then yeah, signed a lot of records to Armada, and Armin kept pushing me, and uh, I also um, made a massive jump in in shows, bigger shows. So I mean, when you went to Armada, so as you said, like 2016, 17, 18, and you had a big jump in the shows. You were playing festivals like Creamfields and Ultra, Dream State, and clubs like High and Ibiza with Armin. Um, that must have felt pretty unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, and I think that... Um, and was there the feeling then of, I've made it? No, 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 no. But it's more the feeling that yeah, you have a head and you have a body but it's being dragged all over the planet on planes and you're just waiting in your plane seat and in your cab rides and in your hotel to play um, in another club or festival environment and everything starts to look at the same thing. Uh, and that was sometimes, especially during the summer, sometimes a little bit uh, rough. Um how did you? Where did you find the enjoyment? Like, because that doesn't sound, to me that doesn't sound that enjoyable. I mean, you get a lot of adrenaline from the shows. Yeah, 
but there sometimes was a realization of okay uh this could be more fun than it is right now and in what city am i again mm. um but at the same time um yeah i started writing a lot more music and uh, i could fill every set with my tracks so i gained a lot of um satisfaction from that um and it also i mean you're you're making more money which is the easiest um way to to see if your if your if your career is doing well mm. i mean if you look at that way mm. um and then i mean i guess that's a measure of success is if you if you measure it in finan financial terms yeah but in terms of you personally like you're flying all over the world you're in your late 20s like you must have been missing a lot of like times with friends and friends birthdays and weddings mm -hmm. and stuff like in yeah in the, in the netherlands how did you how did you balance that um and you're and there you are being like so sorry i've got to go and play and i've been yeah. this weekend guys you know and i bet all your friends are like wow steven that's incredible but did you not miss like yeah those? this did, and how did how did you balance that nurturing that the, those real authentic friendships with with the, the the international superstar dj life yeah yeah well i think I, i'll never know what the what my friends truly think but um when you can't make it to birthdays or whatever event that you usually gather for with friends um they they understand because you're a touring dj and they they know the story they yeah they they just understand and they accept it and then what happens they appreciate it even more when you do show up <laughs> as some they they're like wow you're here amazing yeah. and sometimes they they come with me uh, on 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 shows mm -hmm. um yeah brought a lot of, we went to a lot of shows in Ibiza uh, Prague and then you're with a whole group of friends and you can really show what you're doing and they all love it because they're proud and they think it's fun that you're on stage while they're partying uh, everyone everyone wants a superstar dj friend right <laughs> yeah i want one <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, in 2018 um want to ask you about something that happened then so you were about to release your second album on uh, armada called spectacle mm -hmm. and you always said in interviews up until then that eric prids was a huge influence of yours and he tweeted a video of Cass Elliot singing her famous song Make Your Own Kind of Music and all the dance blogs and all the press blogs they all picked up on this and they all pointed the finger at you mm -hmm. how did that make you feel? Um, I uh, I remember I was in uh, yeah I was just about to release my second album on uh, on Armada um, oh no, my first album on Armada, I think it was Spectacle, and I was in somewhere in the mountains of Bulgaria, doing master classes for for people that wanted to to write music. And then all of a sudden, uh, yeah, my phone kind of blew up, and did you see it? And um, yeah, Eric Pritz kind of hinted hinted towards me, I know, sounding a little bit the same like him. Um, and yeah, obviously he uh, he was is a big inspiration because I think he's a great producer, um, like many other people. Um, um, yeah, how did it make me feel? 
Uh, that initial reaction. Yeah, I wasn't too affected by it, but I thought it was... You're getting noticed by someone so respected in the scene, but not not per se in a in a positive way. But at the same time, I thought, okay, well, this isn't that serious because, um, I mean, people tweet a lot and, yeah, what's it about? I just write music and he, does he mean it? Does he, is he very upset about me um, having him as, as a, uh, what's it called? Um, an inspiration? I still don't really understand it, but I'd love to ask him one day. <laughs> it, it feels like there's, there's nothing really that, can affect you or like that keeps you awake at night well because that's a it pretty, didn't keep that's me a, awake but it uh, did it did keep you awake no no it, it didn't it didn't but um, that's quite a big thing like someone that you respect and you idolize so much basically calling you out publicly and all the dance blogs the edm.com the we rave all those ones saying it's a steve it's a steve it's a steve yeah but uh, other than that tweet there weren't a lot of people that were negative about me. A lot of people loved my music. A lot of people loved Eric Prince's music as well. And, um, yeah, I think 99% of the people, at least what I've heard, yeah, weren't annoyed by me sounding a little bit like him. The same time, I've, I think, like, yeah, am I sounding like him? I mean... We both use a kick drum, we both use a, a snare, we both use progressive trancey melodies. Yeah, is that ripping off someone? If that was, uh, if that was what he was hinting at, I'm not sure. So it did. It did play on your mind. You did. It did yeah. It didn't yeah. just sort of come and go. It did. It did. Yeah, put me off a little bit. I was like, oh well, um, this legend is saying something negative about me i'd rather have someone saying mm. something positive uh, but at the same time um yeah i think it's water under the bridge um uh yeah i got a lot of uh, support from people saying yeah don't worry about it and if there was actually a problem um then i guess uh, we would be in court and we're not <laughs> so <laughs> So 2018, 2019, you're, you're busy, you're playing all over the world. You're, as I said, with Armin, you're playing at all the festivals. Um, then 2020, early 2020, the pandemic happens. And how did that affect, when it initially happened, how did that affect your thinking about where you were going and what you were doing? Because up until that point, this was, music was in a good place. Yeah. Shows in a great place. Yeah, everything was... Uh going uphill mm. um you know i was in a really good spot and um yeah obviously for um for everyone that was a uh, a horrible time um at first uh i remember i was um booked in san francisco for my first all-nighter uh the day after the dutch government uh like put the country on a on a lock so I was really looking forward. I was preparing all week for um, uh, that all-nighter because that was really something I wanted to do. 
play longer sets and possibly mm. even like uh, open to close sets. Uh, and then that got cancelled and the rest of life got cancelled. Um, and at first I was like, okay, um, it is what it is. Um, we're going to relax, write music. And then you feel like, okay, this is getting a little bit uh, too long right now. I want to go out, mm. do shows again. And I've been struggling with that. Like sometimes you feel like okay with it and then you feel like oh, I want to do shows. I didn't really know what I felt. Um, yeah, and the longer it, it it stayed that way, it stayed in a, like a negative world, um, the more you you lose your confidence and the more you ask yourself, okay, if I can't really do music, what, yeah, what am I doing? What's, uh, yeah, and was what that, was my life? Was that something that happened to you, like, during, I mean, what was your, who did you support on? Who did you, who did you look to, to kind of lean on in those, in that, because it was a pretty dark time for a lot of our industry, a lot of musicians. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because also, you know, from the age of, 22 you were 21 when you graduated from Rotterdam University this was this was your life you never had anything else right exactly, to, yeah. to say oh I can just go back and do that economics job that I took and then I left you know yeah so this yeah your whole was, the whole life was turned upside down at this point yeah yeah the whole lifestyle the whole even if you're uh, at home um not having shows you always had a purpose of okay I need to finish this track for the next release Mm. and even that was like not really important anymore it seemed um i'm always quite on my own so i don't i'm not the one to reach out to friends uh so so quickly but obviously i live with my girlfriend and we spend a lot of time um going through it and she works in in entertainment as well so i think we uh yeah we could discuss it a lot and uh, we could be of great help to each other. Um, yeah, obviously I had some DJ friends as well who I uh, was speaking uh, about, but yeah, there were there 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 never were any positive conversations because mm. there was no light at the end of the tunnel. So I mean, it must have made you feel quite in the depths of that lockdown and the pandemic. It must have made you feel quite quite vulnerable in some ways when you think okay, well, this is the only thing I've ever known. Yeah, I lost a lot of confidence, uh, almost all of it, I think. Do you mean personally or in your music? or? Yeah, I think um, music and uh, releasing records, going out, touring, and just doing what you like in the studio gives me, uh, gives me purpose and gives me confidence. You feel good when you finish a track or when you're working on a track. Um and I was always uh, quite, um, not outgoing, but like social and easy to talk to. And I felt like during those years that broke down a bit. And it's still, uh, I think I'm a different person now than I was uh, before. Um, so yeah, I think the confidence thing was the biggest part that... Uh, yeah, that that put me off. That I always had a lot of confidence, and then all of a sudden, even with group of friends, I was like timid mm -hmm. or not so much 
Um, and it, it's, it's also tough because uh, people start asking you about your career and uh, sometimes they, they don't really know and they're just asked, oh, what are you going to do now? Or, But those are quite uh, hurtful questions because you think, okay, well, yeah, I'm just going to wait and then everything's going to be fine again. That's at least mm. what you hope. And then continuously you get you're getting asked questions. What are you gonna do? What are yeah. You, uh, and um, you must, inside you must be thinking, <clears throat> stop asking me these questions. Like I'm thinking about this all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I also got uh, dropped uh, by my uh, agency, my booking agency. So, and was that? I mean, how did that? That must have affected your confidence as well. Oh yeah, yeah. There was like everything was. Uh, it's it's like the world's uh, getting swept away underneath your feet, if that's a, it's a saying in in English. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't really know what what you're doing. You you just feel lost, and sometimes you you're fine with it and just get back in the studio and write music. But you you yeah, you just don't know. Would you say that point in 2020 was the the lowest? Uh, I think the lowest was, um, I think during the New Year's times, because then you know a New Year starts, and usually that's, uh, yeah, it gets spring and summer, so usually that's a moment that you, that's a reset button, basically, of, of your year, of your life. So, okay, we're heading into a year again. A new year again and we're gonna do things differently or do things better and this time it wasn't really uh giving you tools to to work with to to make it better uh and also when uh when it got spring or summer um sometimes people around me got shows and i wasn't mm. and i was like oh wow mm. why am i not getting shows uh and even um uh, uh, last year, when things were really looking up again, it wasn't still really looking up for me. So, yeah, the, the insecurity strikes you a lot. Mm. But I think what helps is um, this is my passion. So I stick with it. And I always kept telling myself, uh, if you stick with it and what you're doing is good because... It always has been good. Uh, you've been given great opportunities before. Uh, it'll come back. It'll be back to normal at one point. And it seems like it is coming to that point again. So That's great. Yeah. So now we find ourselves in post-pandemic and post-lockdowns and you've got a new album coming and you're touring again. Does it feel like the Steve, do you feel like the Stephen of? I know you said that it, you feel like you're a different person since the pandemic, but in terms of your career, do you feel like this is 2019 again? No, it does feel different. It feels, um, it doesn't feel like I, uh, I started again where I left off. Uh, obviously, a lot happened and you changed as a person. Um, and also, I, um, my priorities are different now. Uh, before I was, th uh, I think I was a little bit more, okay, 
Um, I need to make bigger records, make better records, or more records, or everything is in a, is going uphill. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Well, I, it was always going uphill, so that was the normal situation for me. Mm. So I got used to it. So it wasn't like, okay, I need to do this, but it was, it was just um, normal for me to, to have things getting better mm. instead of like, going downhill and then up again it was just going up 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 um and now after uh starting now in in 2023 i don't care so much if if things does don't have to blow up for me if i have a lot of shows if my music is doing well that's going to be great but if not i know i can still be happy if if yeah if i don't have a full schedule um, I think I'm a little bit more relaxed now. Maybe that comes with age. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like, after everything we've talked about, it feels like you've kind of achieved everything you want to achieve. It's, it's, you don't sound like someone who's, who who's still feels like they're on the ladder, they still need to get up. I mean, do you, do you feel like what's left? What's left is that I still love writing music and um, I can do that tomorrow. So if there's still a tomorrow, I'm looking forward to tomorrow because that's another day of writing music. And uh, it's as easy as that, I think. What do you, what do you want to be remembered for? Wow. Uh, I don't care to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not the one to. I'm not writing music for a legacy. Um, I just, um, yeah, like I said, I write music for myself. I do this for myself. Um, but what, yeah, good question. I think, I hope people remember me as a as a fun um good person yeah it's as easy as that i think i don't need to be anything bigger than that i think that's uh, just the way to go and uh, we're going to wrap up but my very very last question is um having talked about everything we talked about from where you grew up where you started sort of making music into the whole touring world and the pandemic and and everything what would you what would you tell that 16 17 year old Stephen knowing everything you know now what would you say what would your advice be um follow your gut feeling and um yeah just keep close to to what you think is fun and it's it's about enjoying life it's about uh, doing what you if you have a passion then i think that's the it's it's the the very best thing to have in life if you have a passion then you just need to do as much as you can to uh sustain that passion because it brings you joy and what's better than that and i, I know 
there's not a lot of people that uh, will be in a situation like me. Um, but it can be any other passion than music as well. It can be fishing or anything that you that brings you joy. That's just the most important thing. And uh, if you focus on that, uh, anything else will be fine, usually. Well, I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, it's been great. Stephen Barn, Steva, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Adam. Well, there you have it. Episode one of Beneath the Music with me, Farius. I think that went all right. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, as much as I enjoy putting it together with Stephen. My huge thanks to Stephen as well, I have to say, because it's not easy to sit down and have someone interrogate you and ask you questions about your life and know it's all being recorded. Um, So my huge thanks to him for being part uh, of this uh, podcast and my first guest. I'm going to be back next month with um, a new episode. I'm going to be talking to a really big name from the world of house music, um, and I think you're really going to enjoy it if you've got any questions uh, you want to ask me something or you want to tell me something or maybe something that Stephen said really resonated with you then feel free to reach out to me my email address is hello at farius.co.uk I've got a huge favor to ask you before I go this is a completely ad-free and non-profit adventure of mine Um, If you enjoyed this week's show, please like it on social media, please share it, maybe share it with a mate who you think might enjoy it as well, and spread the good word about Beneath the Music. I would really appreciate it. Beneath the Music is a Farious and an Enhanced Music collaboration, and I look forward to seeing you next month. See you then.